0: to According to the Scriptures. My name is Kyle Webb. I serve as the minister for the Mars Hill Church of Christ that meets in Christiana, Tennessee. I'm happy that you have joined our program for today, and I will remind you before we uh, go any further to visit our website if you have not done so already. You may go to www.marshillcoc.org. Again, MarsHillCOC.org. And you may visit our website, and we have a lot of information about the congregation, history about us. Uh, We also have a lot of information about the things that we do, including this radio program. And you can listen to this as a podcast. And there is a link in the links section of the website under Resources. Um, And most importantly, you can find our basic information. Uh, Of course, we are located at 1135 Rucker Road in Christiana, Tennessee. You can contact us by phone, uh, 615-203-3637. And you can also send us a message through the website. And we would love to hear from you. If there's anything that we can do for you, anything that we can help you with, um, if we can assist you in any way, uh, then we would be glad to do that. Just please let us know. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Our program for today is the second in our series, The Church of the Bible. And Last week, we looked at introductions and uh, what we are studying about and, and why we are, are, are approaching this study. Uh, Today is the first real lesson in the series. Uh, Beyond introducing it, uh, we are going to get into the meat of the lesson. And uh, what I'm I'm doing right now, uh, I found a, a pamphlet. I've had this for several years in my files. And it is called The One True Church. And so what I've decided to do is go through that pamphlet and share with you the information there. We can discuss that. And I hope that you look at this from a very serious point of view. What we are doing is we are looking at the church that we are members of. Most of you are probably members of the church, but maybe you are not. Maybe you're members of a denomination, for instance, and we're going to talk about those today. And I don't mean these lessons to be offensive in any way. I want you to seriously consider, is the church that you are a part of truly the church of the Bible? And might I suggest that if it is not the church that you read about in the Bible, that it is possible for you to be a part of a church that is not the church of the Bible. Did you know that not every church that is established is established under Christ? Oh, there are those that believe that those churches are established by Christ. But what we read about in scriptures, what we read of in scriptures regarding the church that is established by Christ, is that most churches in our world today are not under Christ. And I want to challenge you to approach this study with that thought in mind that, hey, I may not be right, and I do so the same way. I approach it the same way. If there's something that I realize in Scripture that I am not doing right, then I want to make it right. And if the church that I'm a part of is not doing it right, then something needs to change. And so we approach this study of the church of the Bible looking to make sure that we are members of the church that we read about in the New Testament of the Bible. If it's not in the Bible, it is not a church under Christ. It is not the church established by Christ. And we need to make some changes and make sure that we are members of the church that is established by Christ. I do believe that there is only one true church. And it's not because, uh, again, I'm trying to be mean. It's not because I'm, I'm Uh, In any way trying to be offensive. I'm just saying that there is only one church that we read about in the Bible. And I want to be a part of that church. And I hope that you do too. If you do find anything that I say to be an error. Again, please contact us. Because I would love to hear from you. I would love to discuss these things personally. But these things are the things that are taught in the Bible. And today's lesson is the voice of God. The voice of God. We want to hear the voice of God, not the voice of man, not the voice of history even. But we are looking for what the voice of God tells us and making sure That we are established in the way that God wants us to be. And so I, I do hope that you approach this study with me again. With an open mind and an open heart to what God's word says. If God's word says it, then we do it. If God's word doesn't say it, then we refrain. But we make sure that we do everything in accordance with the authority, in accordance with the will of God, as it is presented in Scripture. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy and righteous Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the many blessings that you have given to us, and we thank you for this day. We thank you for our time together. We thank you for your word, for the ability that we have to study your word together. We pray, Father, that you would continue to be with us and bless us always. Help us to mature. Help us to grow in our understanding in what we are doing. Help us to make sure that we are doing things according to your will. We pray that you would bless us throughout our lives. Bless our example to the world around us. Help us to be stronger, and better Christians, better equipped, better able to lead lost souls to you and we thank you for jesus it is through him that we humbly pray amen the voice of god is where we begin today the voice of god these are the things that we find in scripture this is what we read of in regard to the church in scripture And again, we are endeavoring to do everything in accordance with God's will. What I want to share with you today is that God's word tells us that there is only one church. This is not my word. This is not what I believe. This is what the Bible says. It is what the Bible teaches. And so I hope that you will accept it from that standpoint. Not just because I say it, that doesn't make it right, but because God's word says it, that is why it is right. We're going to begin our study today in Matthew chapter 16, Matthew 16, beginning with verse 13. And in Matthew 16, beginning with verse 13, here we read of the church that is promised by Christ, the church promised by Christ. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah. Or one of the prophets, he said to them, But who do you say that I am? I want you to notice the the context of, of what is being said. They have have told Jesus what others have said about him, uh, about who he is, the, the things that that man believed. But Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Peter rightly answers in verse 16 of Matthew 16. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter recognized the sonship of Jesus Christ. And in verse 17, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And in verse 18, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven notice what Jesus says in regard to the church I say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church first of all let's notice that jesus says my church he does not say my churches but he says my church and i do believe that to be very uh, much exactly the way it is translated the exactly the way that we have it it is but one church i'm not talking about many denominations coming together and forming the church that Jesus established, we're talking about one church that believes the same thing, that teaches the same thing, that practices the same thing. And if we do not practice the same thing, we're going to see in a moment the importance of unity within the church. But if we do not believe and practice the same thing, then can we really be a part of this one church? Can we really be one church in the true true sense of its nature? The church is not established upon Peter himself, but it is established upon his faith, the faith that he had confessed uh, that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. It, It is that faith that we still confess even today. When it comes to obedience to the scriptures, whenever someone is baptized for the remission of their sins, we ask them also to confess their faith in Christ before men, before the church, before the congregation, so that they, the, the congregation knows that they are, are founded upon the right faith, So that they are also able, I believe, to carry the the gospel into the world. If we're not ready to confess our faith before Christians, then how are we going to confess our faith before men? But upon the faith of, of Peter, the faith that he had in Jesus Christ, in him being the Son of God, that is what the church is founded upon, a faith in Christ. And without that faith, the church cannot be. the apostles <clears throat> the apostles were given the keys <clears throat> of the kingdom of heaven excuse me they were given the keys of the kingdom of heaven in the great commission at the end of the book of Matthew in Matthew 28 Jesus tells them to go into all the world preaching the gospel to every nation to every creature baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit In other words, in the name of Jesus Christ, as it is said in in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. But he also says, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And the things that were commanded to the apostles are also things that are commanded of us. And we are to observe all of those things. We are to teach all of those things. The apostles went about sharing the message that had been given to them by Christ. And it is upon their teachings and upon their work that the church is firmly grounded and established. They taught what uh, the people of God are supposed to do in regard to worship, in regard to salvation regard to faithfulness all of those things were taught of the apostles it began in the establishment of the church in Acts chapter 2 when Peter told the Jews what they must do in order to be saved repent let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit And this is true for us today, that we too are to repent and we are to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the purpose of forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins cannot be found outside of Christ and the will of God. And this is the will of God for us. Today, it is his will that we are obedient to the plan of salvation as it is given in scripture. And being obedient, we are also faithful. We remain faithful throughout our lives. So Jesus promised to build one church But that's not the only place that I go to to realize that there is only one church. I want you to look at Colossians chapter 1 and let's begin reading at verse 15. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15. This is speaking of Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Of Christ, it is said that he is the head of the body, the church, and he must be the head of his church. Uh, on Wednesday night, a while back, as we were studying through uh, the book, Why I Am a Member of the Church of Christ, one of the, no- the, the lessons that really stands out in my mind Uh, consisted of looking at other churches, looking at denominations and what they believe. And many of them do place Christ to be the head, supposedly. But he is usually followed by a group of men. Not elders, not what we read about in Scripture, but a group of men and maybe even women a conference of some kind that decides for the denomination what they are doing, uh, especially when we get into the larger denominations. Uh, And there are many that, that they try to place Christ at the head, but they really can't do that effectively because they have to have someone to decide what they are going to do based upon what God's Word has said. And a lot of times what they decide doesn't really look to Scripture. It is not founded in Scripture, but it is decided upon by a conference, by a group, some kind of, of convention or something of that nature. To decide what they are going to do. For instance, in the larger denominations, there has been a great debate recently, within the last five or six years, I believe, on whether to have homosexual pastors or leaders in the church and how they might be used if they are used. And we've had denominations that have split. And two, two, because they cannot agree upon what they are going to do. That's not how the Word of God works. We have a group of men who are elders who decide, based upon the authority of the Scriptures, can we do this? Can we do that? But we do not go beyond the authority of the Scriptures. Christ is the head of His church, and we have this group of men that helps to determine Um, A group of men that are experienced, uh, a group of men that that are capable, that are qualified to lead the church of God in the will of God. A lot of times what we find in denominations is something very contrary to that. It's similar in a way, but it is not what the Bible has structured for the church. And we'll look at that later in our study, but I do want you to to realize that when it comes to denominations, they are not structured the same way that the church of the Bible is structured. It's very different in many respects, but Christ is the head of the body, not bodies. And if we teach different things, if we practice different things, then we must be bodies. But that's not what we read about in the scriptures. We read that Jesus is the head of the body, the church, not churches, the church. And the wording is very important to our understanding of God's will. Let's look at one other passage that speaks of the oneness of the church. Ephesians chapter 4, and let's look at verses 1 through 6. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, I want you to count with me as we go through verses 4 through 6, how many times the word one is used here. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called, in one hope of your calling. I've counted three so far. One body, one spirit, one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith. One baptism, that's three more. That makes six. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. There is but one God. And there is but one Son, and there is but one spirit, and these make up the one Godhead. Three persons in the Godhead, but they are one in every aspect of being one that we can think of. uh, The best comparison being to marriage uh, when a husband and wife come together, they become one, they act together as one, they are different persons. May be very different people, but they act together as one. Their lives become one. And God is in that sense also one. Jesus came and he did not act outside of his Father's will. And he promised the coming of the Comforter. And he does not act aside from God's will, that being the Spirit. There is but one faith under God. We must believe in God and we must do things according to the will of God. I counted seven times that the word one is used and we look at the context and we realize the, the importance of unity between us. There is no unity. Friends, there is no unity if we do not believe and practice the same things. There is but one body. There is but one faith. And there is but one baptism. A singular baptism that does the very same thing for anyone who is baptized into Christ today. It is what puts us into Christ. We are buried as Christ was. We come out of the watery grave of baptism just as Christ was resurrected. And even before that, we died to sin. We died to the person that we once were, and that's a representation of Jesus' death. There is but one baptism, and that is the baptism which leads us, which is for the remission, the forgiveness of sins. One body, one spirit, one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God, and Father of all. And he is above all, and through all, and in you all. We are unified under one God and one Christ. We are unified when we do the things that God wants us to do. His will that is presented through the teachings and the writings of the apostles. That is the only way for us to be one. There is but one church. And we'll continue this study next week with The Voice of History. We'll look at at what that teaches us, just looking at a a historical standpoint of what is believed to be the church. We're going to find, I think, I believe the church of the Bible and that there is but one church of the Bible. And it is very unique and very much different than anything that that man really teaches today. And I hope that you'll come back and join me uh, again with an open mind and open heart what God's Word says. And may we always heed the voice of God. Thank you for being with me today. I look forward to being with you again next Tuesday at 11 a.m. right here on TGRN.org. Thank you for being with me today. And until we meet again, may God bless you.